Mike Sidorik, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Hump Day. Thanks for tuning me in on your busy day. We got episode 90, 90 today. Man, is it uh, just cruise along. Episode 100 is just, I can almost taste it. That's how close it is. July 29th, mark that one down in your calendar. She's going to be epic, epic. I'm saying it right now. Now, let's before we get on to the, today's show, let's uh, welcome in some sponsors, all right? So first off, Lauren and the team at Art and Soul, welcome aboard. They uh, took a look at uh, some of the frames I got in the old podcast studio. Let's just say uh, yours truly is not a framer. I did my best, folks. I did my best. But uh, Lauren is the best. She's going to help turn these into uh, a piece of artwork. And I was walking through her, her shop. She's got some cool stuff in there. And she was telling me all the different heirlooms and memorabilia that gets brought in there, the jerseys. Heck, we should probably just give her a, ra- a mic. She could jot down the stories for us. But if you got something sitting, you're like one of my buddies, you, they got them sitting in the closet. You know, you got something signed, a jersey, oh, someday I'll get to it. Stop worrying about it and get down there. She's open Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., 5016 39th Street or 780-808-6313. It's more than just a frame, folks. It's a story. SMP billboard across from the UFA. Now, we can't get to it because of all this freaking railroad construction. Like, are you kidding me? Like, only in Lloyd. It's either a train at noon hour or now... Right? They just shut down the entire road. Somewhere there's a City of Lloyd guy listening to this going, I know, I know, we'll get it back up and running. Well, here I'm giving you the call. Let's get her back up and going. But thanks to Read and Write and Dina Wandler for that mint-looking billboard. It looks sharp. If you're down that way, just across from the UFA, is the SMP billboard, and it is sharp. So thanks again. Gartner Management, housing the podcast. If you're, uh, they're a Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs, whether you're looking for a small office like moi or you need something a little bigger, maybe say 6,000 square feet, give Wade Gartner a call, 780-808-5025. How about Mr. Maz Entertainment? He wants to know if you're, wants to let you know if you're looking to plan any intimate ceremony for a wedding or maybe you're like myself and your parent. You know, you're, you're starting to pull your hair out. I know we got some things opening up, but, you know, he you want something for the kids to do. Well, he's got some backyard entertainment, maybe a movie under the stars. Maybe you're a PS4 or Xbox guy. We can have that argument later. He can hook that up for you, too. And uh, you can play some games out in the back. Check out his Facebook page, Maz Entertainment, uh, or his Instagram for video and pictures because it's pretty cool what he's doing. Now, give him a call, 780-214-2920. Kenny Rutherford, Rutherford Appraisal Group. In these difficult times, if you're in need of any appraisal work from bank loans, setting a fair purchase price, whether you're buying or selling any type of real estate, shop, homes, farms, cabins, restaurants, you name it, give Kenny a call, 306-307-1732. Carly Kloss and Windsor Plywood. Can I speak? Like, like i got to send more pictures of this table, folks. I love my table. I'm sitting at it right now. You hear this every time. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know about the table, about the table. I'm telling you, go take a look. Go down to Windsor Plywood. Take a look at some of the work they're doing. Their woodworking is fantastic. They got really cool things there that uh, will blow your mind, unique pieces. So stop in, uh, visit Windsor Plywood, or give them a call, 780-875-9663. I promise you won't be disappointed. If you're interested in advertising on the show, visit SeanNewmanPodcast.com. Just send me an email. Would love to get uh, you involved with the show. We got lots of different options, and I want to find something to 
It can work for the both of us. Now, here is your T-Bar 1 Tale of the Tape. Originally from Lloydminster, Alberta, he started his career with the Lloydminster Exhibition in 1981 as the maintenance man. By 1985, he was the agricultural manager, and fast forward just four short years, and he becomes the general manager, which he has been for the past 30 years. In total, he's worked for the Lloyd X for 39 years. His group has overseen events from the Lloyd Fair, the CPCA Finals, Agrivisions, PBR Winter Classic, Full Sales, etc. 900 activity days in a year with over 200,000 visitors annually. I'm talking about Mike Sidoric. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Tonight I'm joined by Mike Sidoric, a 39-year guy of the Lloyd X and Association. Well, thank you for uh, bringing me on your podcast. Yeah, I know. You were, you were giving me a rough time that all you see in here is hockey, but I'm super excited for this. You've been a part of Lloyd and area history for a long time now and bringing people together and showcasing a lot of what Lloyd has to offer and area. And so I think you're going to be a very interesting sit down. And I had, had you pegged, if you can believe it, a while back even before you uh, announced your retirement, and I went, oh, now he's announcing his retirement. Now I definitely got to get him on because now he can spill all the beans. He's got nothing to hide it for anymore. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. You know, there's always there's always lots of great stories people can tell about their lifestyle and their life histories and stuff. So, you know, this, uh, this community means a lot to me, and it's an amazing organization. And uh, Lloyd Mister is just, it's been, it, you know, it's been a long go. And it's been fun and amazing. Well, let's rewind the clock. Let's go back to your early days. Did you know, like, did you have high thoughts coming out of high school? Like, hey, I want to do X. Or did you just kind of slide in and well, all of a sudden you're working there? You know, actually, it's kind of a funny story. Back, uh, my mom worked for the association um, many, many years ago. And uh, uh, so she, she, you know... Let me just drink that through again. Let's try that one over. <laughs> See, we're going to have to do this. You know, the, I told you, this is going to have to be a little bit of editing, Sean. Um, See, so, see I'm going to cut him off right now, I guess. He thinks I'm going to go back through and edit all of this. He's he's uh, sorely mistaken. This is a podcast. I'm an, I'm on for the ride. Oh, man. yeah, now you tell me that little story. <laughs> right on. So, actually, the history kind of begins back. I was about 12, 13 years old when I first started working part-time for the association. Um, I worked with uh, Dick Jones back in the early days. Uh, Dick was my mentor for many, many years, learned lots of great skills from Dick. But I started 12 years old. My very first memory I have with the association is I actually whitewashed the racehorse barn. Racehorse barn. It was, you know, and you use white lye. I went to work, had a brand new pair of jeans, uh, you know, good, good new pair of gloves, and I was excited to go make some cash. I think I was making either 50 cents an hour back then, but, you know, when you're 12, that's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, by the time I was done the first day, my gloves were eaten to bits with the white lie, <laughs> and my blue jeans, new pair of blue jeans were chewed right up. So all that money you earned just went down the drain Absol buying. <laughs> you know, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so I, I helped out in the summers for a few years, like doing, helping at fair, cutting grass, cleaning toilets, picking garbage, you know, kind of doing a little of everything. 
uh, kind of helping out and had some fun. Uh, Mom was working there at the time, like I said, and it was a good opportunity to generate a little bit of f- summer money. And then I'd help out at the bull sale, running tickets to the buyers. And I did a few other odd little jobs off and on. And then, you know, kind of, you know, hit the fun life with a teenager. And, you know, I was really more interested in driving truck and uh, Chasing driving my girls. truck. And absolutely having some fun. <laughs> So I kind of had some part-time jobs, worked for Sposter Sports Center, and then I worked for Midway Distributors, kind of just So did you the... work back then when Shep was at Foster's? No, uh, no, not Shep. Oh, Shep, they were at the downtown store with Brad Payne. Um, I was, uh, I worked on the Highway 16 one across from Midway Distributors. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was where the boats and the quads and the, all that stuff was at. So it was pretty good. It was fun. Did that through school, and, you know, then... I started working in, in the oil patch a little bit, coming out of school. What you did know? you do in the oil patch? Well, I was a swamper on a truck, worked for Totran, uh, worked in their yard, driving one of their forklifts to load and unload pipe. Uh, I did a day or two with uh, Bob Kerr with uh, Border Trucking and didn't think the rig moves were kind of my game. And, and then I sort of started working with Totran and had some fun there. It was good. It uh, worked hard and... And then, of course, the back in those days, the oil patch kind of tanked. So I kind of started there in my full-time career with a tanked oil field, oil patch. And look, lo and behold, I'm ending my career in a tanked oil patch scenario. So it's you, kind of an interesting go. So then I, how, I said, how, well, I'm going to stay there for three months. How, did you, how do you compare the tanking back then to now? Is it even similar? Oh, very similar. From my memory back in those days, very similar. This is worse, it seems, now, like a... A year ago, two years ago, it was, I'd say, about the same. But now she's gone way too long, too far, too deep. It's very more debilitating for this region and community than back then. So, yeah, but very much similar to the timelines. So I said, I'll, I'll come help out because my mom phone said, hey, Dick, we need some help down here at the grounds. And, and uh, I was needing a job. So I said, well, okay, I'll come a few months and... 39 years later, later, still there. What was your first job when you started back at? Oh, I think it was in the fall, just before our ca- before the fall stock show. Kind of getting ready for the cattle sales and the cattle shows and um, season that we did back back in those days. And We did everything a little bit more by hand, though. I, we might have had a John Deere tractor then, or that might have been later. But yeah, we would uh, clean the barns with pitchforks in the back of old Mel Smith's truck and uh, so we did lots of things a lot differently than we do now. Do you ever laugh at, laugh at kids now and say they got it tough? And Absolutely. <laughs> the one thing is, is I can always say to everybody, you know, I have done absolutely every job in this place from start to finish. What was the worst job? Oh, probably cleaning the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> cleaning the toilets during fair. That was never a fun <laughs> job. Hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, and you're a young guy and thinking, ooh, I don't know. But that was probably the worst. That's got to be an easy thing as a manager, though, when somebody's complaining, going, listen, you, you want to talk about something? I'll tell you about cleaning the toilets when 100 people and 20 of them can't hit it. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's always lots of good stories to tell with that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's, always, it's nice to say, well, you know, I've done that job. And uh, most of them, some believe you and some don't. So sometimes you have to reshow them. Do you ever think at any point 
of trying something different or once you got in the groove of it away you went because you, you just you just don't hear of many people well i shouldn't say that today's generation you don't hear many people back in your generation there was more people that stayed with a certain occupation for an extended time that's correct you know it's like every job you know every once in a while you think man should i be doing this anymore and you know this industry gets in your blood it's it's you know it's a nonprofit organization. They you know they didn't they never pay high wages and high salaries, but there's a whole bunch of other reasons to be there. It's the community support. It's the comradeship you gain, the friendships of all the people you meet over 39 years across North America and half the world. So there's more to a career than cash. It's the experiences, the life experiences, and to me, that's always been the fulfilling part of this this job. It's just the people you meet, the people you work with, the great board, the great staff, all the memories. You, you can't beat it. You mentioned all the people you meet, and I think I read that you guys see a foot traffic of more than 200,000 people through the, the facilities these days. Yep. Where are some of the unique people that you've met that you're like, man, I would have never thought you'd walk through this door. Oh, I, I guess uh, I had a chance to meet Stephen Harper a couple of times. He'd come visit our facilities. Uh, a lot of our, our premiers have been through our facilities. Uh, that's been a, a tremendous experience. Uh, I was a, it was a great opportunity. I've toured some delegations from China, from Mongolia, uh, through the grounds, um, what Russia. They, what do they got to say when they come over and see it? Mongolia, for instance. Amazing. They they just they see the facilities. They see the, what we do for the agriculture industry, and they're amazed at how it works and the benefits that they see. Um, it's a new. It's a, they they, just, they do things differently. They have their fairgrounds over there as well, but just it's different than a lot of it's horse racing. A lot of it's the that type of uh, events and activities. So. You know, it's just, it's a new way of life. They like to come and see the agriculture equipment, the cattle, the, you know, the horses, so they can take some of the bloodlines back and help improve their breeds and their stocks. You probably get to tour around different areas then. Yeah, I, I've been to a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the states for some of the, uh, mostly on the uh, California Sea board, because uh, we belong to an association there when we, we've toured around some conventions down in that area. Um, I work, uh, you know, communicate well with the International Association of Affairs and Exhibitions and our Canadian Association of Affairs and Exhibitions and Alberta and Saskatchewan Manitoba. So we get to know and tour around a fair bit, get to know lots of people everywhere. What facility have you uh, walked into and went, holy moly, this is a place? Well, the most, uh, Atlanta. Atlanta? Yeah. What was it about Atlanta? Well, we went to a, a conference called IAPA. It happened to be in the area, so I popped in, and it was an, it's a uh, international association of theme parks uh, convention, which is very similar to our fair industry. And it was I couldn't believe the facility; like it was four stories high, meeting rooms every every twenty feet. Uh, there must have been twenty thousand people in that facility that day. It was huge. So you know, there's some pretty amazing structures and facilities down there. There's the the Georgia Dome that was they had a midway in the infield. So, you know, you get kind of intrigued and enthused with all of that type of activities. Disney World is another exciting place for me because I love the fair. 
it's the year-round fair style. So I like to sit there and watch people see how they do things. It's a it's an amazing way to learn when you can just sit and observe and watch how how other other areas thrive and prosper and uh, how they treat people and how they move people and how it all works. You know, when you talk about going to different places and seeing how they do it, what's an idea, or maybe there's several, that you watch somebody else do from afar and went, geez, that's brilliant. Maybe I should try that back in Lloyd. Well, there's lots of like different types of shows we br- we br- would bring in or... You know, here's the best, better way to run the stock show. Here's some added classes you can do, or here's some. There's lots of benefits we get from all, all the other industries, uh, people we work with and talk to. Uh, we would have joint meetings uh, with all the ag, ag uh, society people that run ag shows across Western Canada. We'd all sit together, talk about better ways to improve a lot of the events and activities we do. So it's never-ending learning. And you can't get out of there in a day without learning something new or, or supporting something new within the region. But not one thing that you just, you know, it was like, huh, I hadn't seen it like that before. Like, geez, they're, I don't know. I can't even think of an example, but I'm just sitting there. You you, you mentioned Disneyland. You watch yeah. a, a year-round theme park. Maybe they have ways yeah. of speeding things up or just how they have things positioned Laid so out. it just flows yeah. better. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's hard to kind of pick all those things right out, but uh, I know one thing we worked with the Midway about was trying to, you know, how do we make the flow more effective for the kids to the, to the older kids to kind of, so that they, they can all enjoy their space without doing a total intermingle and everybody is not walking on top of each other. There's lots, of, I just, it's hard to kind of pinpoint one specific thing. Um, you know, the uh, showcase trade shows is one example. Um, we, we started developing a farm and ranch show back in, I think it was around 86, and it slowly morphed into the uh, uh, home and garden huge trade show for us now. We fill all the buildings. Uh, another event, i got to say, we probably uh, took from a, uh, was our, is our no current agribition show. Okay. Uh, it started as Cattleman's Corral. We developed that partnership with a good friend of ours, with, uh, Sidney Palmer, and we kind of modeled it from the Camrose Bull Congress. And it's now changed and morphed into an amazing uh, two-day convention-style agriculture trade show that helps benefit this whole region. Education, trade show, seminars, great speakers. You know, those are just some of the things that we've done that, that, that we've modeled after other events and activities that are, are huge and beneficial. You know, in your time, I, wonder, I, I was wondering... What did the original, like when you started, was it just a couple of buildings? Was it small and it just morphed? Or, Abs- or how, or has it been a slow burn and it just kind of adds on a little bit here, there, and there? Little, there. little of both, little of both. Like back when I first started, uh, we had, uh, uh, when I was doing bef- before, of course, 12 to, 12 to 14, 15 years old type thing, uh, the stockade building was just being built. It had just been built. Like 72, it was constructed, so I started helping out a few years later. Um, that was the biggest building there. Beside it was the old curling rink, which we called the Coliseum, and went to the J.C. Tucker <laughs> building. Uh, 79, we, we uh, built the, rebuilt the grandstand, because uh, the old one that was there was a roof grandstand, an old wood structure. We, we used to go and play in that and have lots of fun. Uh, we had two old horse barns. Um, 
just kind of back where the Saskatchewan building is now. And there were two blue cattle barns, which we call the time barns, and they were just uh, right across from where the uh, uh, wash rack scale room building is. Um, so th there's been lots of change, lots of history. Where the office, the Wild Rose is now, there's three buildings there. One was a home arts building, one was a craft building, and one was uh, the office building. So you just, some of those old pictures, it's fun to go back and look at and say, oh yeah, that was there when I was there. So, you know, and look at what it's changed to now. We have 110,000 square feet under roof. Um, the, the board has been very strong and progressive in, in supporting the development of the, of the association and making sure that we can provide a great source for the whole community. So it's the visual, the vision from the board that was, we all worked together on we've done a great job in achieving what we needed to do to support this region. We're probably one of the, the bigger ag societies for a community our size in, in, in pretty much most of Western Canada. When you took over the job, the general mm -hmm. manager title, mm -hmm. what was, you're sitting in the, the big fancy chair, if there is a big fancy chair, and you're, you're thinking, okay, this is what I wanna do over the next five years. What was one of the first things you thought of when you're like, okay, we got to try and do X? Oh. I'm racking your brain. You really are. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I took over, I was pretty young. I think I was 29. Uh, yeah, I was the youngest general manager in the industry at that time. Um, uh, I started when I came back kind of that 80, 81 time frame and became full time, um, I became the facilities manager. So I started out kind of looking after, like after, you know, kind of got a promotion to that and, and looking after bookings, rentals, uh, making sure things were set up right properly and flowed properly. And then I kind of moved into the GM's position. Uh, and I think the biggest thing that we were wanting to do is, is increase our event activity and increase our facilities. So we just kept working, negotiating with the governments and, uh, you know, with Dick's help still at the time, we added on the Saskatchewan building. We added on the other larger facilities, which gave us the opportunities to do way more things. We made the improvements to the racetrack back in 84. So uh, we, we decided that we would uh, pursue and go after the CPCA finals. And that was one of the, the bigger, some newer, bigger events that we, we did back in those days to which made a big difference and it's now 25 26 years that we've been running that event you remember the day you went and pitched the cpca hey listen we got yeah. a spot for you yeah absolutely it was the northern chuck wagon association back in those days yeah so we sat down negotiated a contract a deal tom halstead larry kirby and myself and we we put her together and it was a uh, an amazing it's been an amazing event ever since it's just growing bigger every year how sad is it then right now on your last year in the helm, what's going on and that there's no events going on? Well, there's two ways to look at that. It's devastating to one degree. I'm not able to provide some good help and assistance to the crew to put them, help them through the fair, get them through the fair on their own, get them through the chuck, the chuck wagons on their own, all of our fun summer events and activities. But because it's a little slower, it gives us time to properly process, properly train, make some changes to the how we need to to continue to stay viable. 
So it's kind of a bittersweet, you know. I'd love to be there pushing that last fare out, pushing that last chuck wagons out. But now I can help support the get, the crew in say, and, and the team, management team, is saying, look, here's what we can, you guys can maybe do to, to move forward and make some changes that meets meets the new standards that are being portrayed to us in today, today's new world. So it, it, it heartbreaking, but gratifying. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, you just, it's, it's, you can't win for losing some days, but then, <laughs> then the next day you think, well, this is great. Cause now we can talk this through better. Cause when we get rolling and you put 900 event days on through a year, it's, it's just, a revolving door and you quickly move and move and move and move and by the time the events on we are actually moving to the next three events that are after it to make sure that things are going well explain this to me mm-hmm. you say 900 event days yep so every time there's a single event you call that an event day right so that means that roughly you have three events going on every single day of the year. Yes, potentially. We we have 13 rentable rooms plus the horse rings and the racetrack and the grounds. So at any point in back, we used to be 11, 1200 event days until we hit the downturn in 13. So we were we were running hard seven days a week. Do you even stop to like, do you ever stop moving? You, uh, for a very short period of time. You know, because you got to keep thinking and moving ahead, right? And that's and that's what I say. We have an amazing crew right now that've been through a good portion of some of that. So they, it's a huge learning curve for everybody. Did you ever have a point in time where you just locked yourself in a room for a little bit and just said, "I gotta, I gotta turn the lights off, recall myself, and go okay," and then step back into the tornado? <sighs> Never to that strong of a degree. There's times where you got to step back and think, oh. Slow her down a little bit. We got to get this working, working a little more effectively at times. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's never easy. That's but impressive, though. But it's fun. You can't. This this industry gets in your blood, and it is exhilarating. It's one of the few that if you have a dream to make an event and you have a dream to build something, you really can do it. There's not many. There's not many ways and, and work jobs are out there that give you that freedom. So if you want to build a trade show and you have the right the right contacts, the right push, the right pro set, you can do it. Well, and the thing with 39 years is you could start it small as like a little seedling mm-hmm. and just slowly watch it blossom into something yep. that now, you know, you actually have control over because you've dealt with it for the five years prior. Yep. But to anyone on the outside looking in, you're going, yep. how the heck are you handling that? There's things going everywhere. There is. <laughs> and when you and, and when you grow and build with it, right? Like I started back when we didn't have nearly as many facilities. Uh, we had probably a third of what we do today. And you slowly build and process and organize and plan, it's easier, Right. If you were to walk in and say, re, walk in and say, okay, tomorrow you're gonna you're gonna plan 1,100 events in yeah, a year, you think, no, I'm not. It's pretty hard to do. But when you build and grow with it, it's it's a lot simpler and a lot easier. So that's why it's it's so crucial to to have the the department, the, the team I've got now with the with the uh, 
uh, under Janelle's new leadership will be huge and will be great, and it'll continue to prosper. Because a lot of the, these guys are, are a little bit more used to these multitasking and multi, all the, the different things we do. Well, I will say this. I've been to many events there, and they're always excellent. They're not subpar. They're excellent. Well, we take pride in that, and we want people's experience to be positive. No, we don't win all the time. You know, there's times that things don't always work 100%. Weather's a huge factor. There's I, other issues that are sometimes I heard you're beyond a weather guy. Control. Yeah, I kind of watch it fairly close. <laughs> I find it watch it very, very close, actually. Have you learned anything? Do you, can you tell the weather by what they're saying? Some you... <laughs> sometimes it's it you sometimes it's your best guess and sometimes you you make the right one and sometimes you make the wrong one, you know. Uh, I watch the weather diligently, especially through our big major outdoor events, because it's the patterns have changed fairly significantly over the last few years, as we all know, and uh, it's all cycles in my mind, and and these cycles are have swung back to what it used to be like when I was a kid. Where you get a lot more thunderstorms, you get a lot more rains and quite a bit more snow at times. And, you know, and if you're prepared and looking ahead, you can kind of follow the, the, the patterns that they show you, the radars, and you can kind of see and think, you know, well, we better be watching closer and slower up. To make some changes, make people, make sure that they're safe. Because that's very crucial, especially in these outdoor activities and events. So I watch them close. What's one of the events that you, like, hang your hat on? Like, geez, I was really proud of that. I know you mentioned the fair several times. I know that in reading about the fair, it sounds like it's been in Lloyd since 1904 in some shape or form. Yep. So right there, that's, what, 116 years yep. of an event, which anyone who's put on any type of event, just one single event, to run it for 10 years is an accomplishment, 116, holy dinah. Yeah. I don't, there's, there's, oh God, there's so many. Like the chuck wagons, we we really, uh, we used to do chuck wagon races for years and years, right? But we developed the, the, the CPCA finals, and that, and I was instrumental with that. We ran an elk sale for uh, half a dozen years. That was an amazing event, and uh, we kind of developed that through community benefit and uh, community support. Um, 4-H Expo, that's gone for... 40, 50 years. Uh, there's just, there's so, there's so many. The Lloyd Bull Sale, we celebrated 100 years last year. 100 years. 100 years of the Pride of the Prairies Lloyd Mr. Bull Sale. Um, Stockade Roundup, that's over 40 years. There's our rare and exotic sales. There's just That's so, impressive, isn't there's it? There's just, it is. We've ran some very long-term events and activities. Showcase, that's another long-term one. Agrivisions, Catlin's Corral, those, like it's, it's, we've, it's the length and longevity of a lot of these events that have actually helped keep us, our association, recognized throughout most of Canada, the, the, the strength that we provide to the industries. It's, it's gratifying. Let's talk about the fair for two minutes. Mm -hmm. You talk about, um, Dealing with multiple people, talent, entertainers, etc. When you look back on it, you know, there's multiple different parts to the fair, let alone just the rides. Absolutely. 
What are some of the things that people don't understand or maybe get overlooked when it comes to the fair? Or does it all get overlooked? <laughs> no, I don't think it gets overlooked. I, I think people don't really understand the, the fact is, is it's, a, it's a very expensive event for us to put on. Uh, when we start bringing the entertainers in, like we're spending a couple, couple two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in entertainment alone, to really? to just provide the the base that we have it today. You know, the yard thrill show acts, the concerts, the monster truck show, the bull riding. It's fairly large cost wise to put on, like the kids entertainment, the the dining room lounge entertainment. It's it's a it's a very high dollar event to put in and we rely on the weather to be good uh, we rely on uh, people's satisfaction um, we're a nonprofit organization that's here and the money and revenue we generate from these events helps keep us afloat to do all kinds of events and activities fair is one huge one but it's it is a it's an amazing it's an amazing event. Like it's four days. There's probably close to 80, 90 different events within the four days of fair between the livestock, between the kid, all the entertainment for the adults, the kids, the midway, the crafts, the arts, the trade shows, the ag education area with Country Lane, the two food services areas that we have of our own, plus all the all of the other f uh, food booths that come in, uh, 32 rides on the midway. Um, it just, it's a big moving target and everything has to be planned, structured. We don't have many times where things don't go off perfectly, you know, perfectly or near to perfect because it's all the planning we do. When you look back at it, what was a home run you hit and you didn't realize it was coming? You're just like, holy, wow, that worked. There's been a few and mostly on the entertainment side. Um, you know, we, we, Cardi Ray Jepsen is one, uh, I don't, do you, she was, uh, absolutely Cardi Ray the day after we signed her for very low money, Bieber, Justin Bieber signed her and she just went through the roof. We had probably four or 5,000 people to watch Cardi Ray that day. And she sang for 40 minutes and everybody thought it was great. Uh, Earl was another one. Our local man, guy, Earl, yeah. uh, Earl brought Tons of people. We had Uncle Cracker one year. He was yeah, driving. He through was fantastic. Me. That was an am and he's an amazing entertainer and a, an amazing person. Like just salt of the earth. Like just a super nice guy. And when he was coming through, we I didn't, didn't even know who Uncle Cracker was at the time. <laughs> you know, because I mostly do country sing music, and and I thought, man, who's this guy? So I checked him out, and then and he it was great. He so just what'd needed you do? somewhere you to mean, go. What do you mean? He was he was just on his way through. He just stopped him at the curb and no, said, "Hey, well, no, the you're that Uncle Cracker yeah. fella. Could we could we get you in?" Well, I got a call from an agent friend of mine. He said, "You know, I got a band you might be interested in, said, Uncle Cracker. Make me an offer." I said, "Well, okay, I don't know who Uncle Cracker is, but <laughs> so I made him an offer and checked it out. And then once this it all came to pass, it worked out amazing." You know, uh, so you learn all kinds of these tricks and these games, right? Doing, working with these bands and entertainers. And Sam Roberts was another win. Oh, Sam Roberts is fantastic. You know, same kind of thing as we did. And it did. downpoured that night. Yes, it did. 
It did, but and we he, got him off, though. And, and, well, and he sang right through yeah. it. He loved yeah. it. That was what made part of the night was it, that. It was. Sam, like, that was an amazing concert. And it was the same thing with Sam. Like, he, we bought him, and he went gold right after that. So, you know, you, you get some wisdom, you get some luck. It's not always good planning, right? You just sometimes you, you buy what you think and, and hope it works. And we've had some really good successes, you know, like the old classic rock trooper. April Wine, Nazareth, you know, we've had some, Kim Mitchell, like we've had some great talent on it through the whole fair. It's an amazing event and uh, it, it just, it brings people together. It's the most, the biggest family, fun, great food event activity that there is. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's a few of the things that I will miss, like the chuck wagons, the fair, yeah. you know, because they're fun. They're they're a lot of work, but they're fun. When it works great, it's gratifying. What kicks you when you're down is the weather. You know, if we and we've lost shows, we've lost four days of the fair. We only run four days with rain. There's been a few years like that. It went, but it hurts. But you know, you you look, you don't take those and and just crawl away and go away and forget doing it. You think. All right, well, we got next year. We can make this happen again, and we don't get rain every year. So it, yeah, there's benefits, and there's pluses and minuses. Uh, the fair, well, all the events you talk about. I, you know, Hillmont boy, grew up in, you know, going to the fair and running around there. I can just, the sights, the sounds, <coughs> the smells. Oh, absolutely. Right? And like, the shows, all the, the yeah. side shows. The most memorable one I have with the fair is, is uh, we brought a, a show up uh, from the States, and it was the Swamp, Ma Swamp Master. It was the Gator Show. The Gator the Show. The Gator Show. You know, and the guy was, he was a young guy, and, and uh, he didn't really know the rules and the plans. And <laughs> and the, the whole thing, like he was a day late because he couldn't get across the border. He gets up and unfortunately one of his alligators passed away. And it was just one disaster after another for the poor guy. And that year got so cold and it snowed outside of Lloyd. It was, and we had to take the gators to back to the hotel and put them in a hot bathtub to, to otherwise they were going to go into hibernation. It was, you know, just all kinds of, he didn't crazy. know what he was going to do. Didn't know what he was going to do. And, and you know what, but two days later it got warmer and it worked out pretty good. So, it, you know, there's all kinds of bizarre, bizarre stories and, and history things you can, you can totally think of. That's a pretty good story. Yeah, you, it is. It when is. you look back at all the events, you got, you must have a few more like that where just the strangest things happen that you could not have predicted. Oh, yeah, trying to get back into that memory bank and think that through. There's there's quite a few, but I, I'm just, at the moment, it's hard to remember all of them, eh? Did you have a, you finish an event, everybody's gone home, it's quiet, you got you and, you know, whether it's team members or yep. family or whatever. Yep. Did you guys have a ritual at the end of a good event? Listen, we're going to sit down and have a cup of whatever or... A cigar or anything <laughs> like that? Was there a ritual at the end of it? Uh, we uh, fair, yes. Uh, we would always get together, all the bunch of the directors who were there, and after the fireworks was over, because that was our biggest, best hurrah, was when the fire were last shots gone, and 
we get the people safely off the grounds. We'd sit down in uh, one of the rooms and have a few beer and some ribs and uh, chicken wings and, and just have a relaxing, fun time. It's, that's, always, that's something we've always looked forward to. I think you need to do that. I've, oh, you have to. I don't put on too many events. I can't sit here and talk about 900 days, but yeah. I put on a few. Yeah. It's, you got to enjoy it while it's on, but you got to yeah. kind of celebrate it when it's done and you've done it successfully. Absolutely. If you don't do those things, it, it's, you don't get the full experience of the whole event. Because you can sit down and, and laugh and chuckle about what worked, and you, or you can say you can cry over what didn't work. So it's always good to look at the good and the bad and laugh about them because if you don't laugh in life and you don't have those abilities to do that, it makes it pretty hard. So that's always been a key thing is to, and family and just bring, keep, keep it light, keep it good. Uh, there's times to be strong and, and firm and tough, but man, you still have to look at the good things that happen at every event because there's always lots. We're going to get back to family in a second. I got that term written down here, as I've heard it many a time when I read your articles, when I hear people talk about you. But before we hop to that subject, mm -hmm. I think to, you know, you talk about at the end of colonial days to have the little meeting and celebrate it. I also think that's the best time when good ideas happen because it's so fresh in your memory of what worked really well. We got to do that again. Yeah. And what, you know what, we cannot do that next year. It, it's always good to do those postmortems, and and in yes, you got to look at the positive things. You got you know we always have to be a little careful getting too deep into it in that same night. But boy, I tell you, it sure helps to kind of congratulate the stuff that worked, and and that's what what needs to happen more often. It's it's that's how you learn, that's how you win, and that's how you make improvements. And celebrate, celebrate it, and absolutely. Uh, you know when people put in a lot of effort. Instead of just saying, we'll see you next year, to sit around and spend a little bit of time and celebrate yeah. it, talk about it, enjoy it. The staff and our many volunteers, like we start about 7 in the morning and we wrap up between anywhere between 1 and 2 in the morning. So it, it's, and it's a week long of that. It's, I don't know how they do it in Calgary and Edmonton. Maybe they don't have the same process that we do, but man, it's a, it's long days, fun days, gratifying days. And uh, it's, it needs to be celebrated. There's Are no you question. a coffee drinker? Absolutely. Are you a Red Bull drinker? No, just coffee. Just coffee. Just coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Put it to the vein. Absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've heard this family thing um, that you treated the association like family or the group like family, something along that line. Absolutely. That comes right from our grassroots. This was built built by families getting together and and starting to come to show their goods to have fun uh, do their cooking they're showing their cattle it was all family it's it's the family experiences that have built this industry have built our association our, it's so and that has to continue that that experience needs to continue like will the staff will if we encourage their families to become a volunteer and be part of the association, be part of the shows, and be part of the events. If the families feel good about the about being part of it, then so do our volunteers. So do everybody. It's the strongest component of 
who we really are as an association. We do call ourselves one big family, and and we are. And and that comes back from the history of this the grassroots association that we are, because it takes families to make this work. If if we don't have that buy-in, then we we don't keep people for long. My kids grew up there. My they shared my they my family shared me with the, with this association. Hard on them at times, yes, with the time and effort we put in. But thankful that we did that. I'm thankful that I had their support. And I'm thankful for the opportunities that they were able to be part of. And that's the one thing a lot of our directors will say, well, our kids, they've grown up here. This is, we've got, we've got people, directors been on 15, 20, 35, 40 years. You don't do that without family support. And that's where the huge benefit comes in. Yeah, I, I actually just finished, I was saying to you earlier, I believe, that uh, interviewed Gene Principe, mm-hmm. and I was saying to him, like, I've always wondered how a reporter, like, who travels that much, what their their family thinks of it, right? Because he's got kids and a mm-hmm. wife, and, mm-hmm. and he said basically what you just said, mm-hmm. you got to have buy-in from your family, because yep. if your home life ain't good, chances are you're not going to be very productive on the other side of it. No, but if you, if they don't if they aren't supportive and, and willing to work with you and make it and understand that the time that you've committed to this, to this lifestyle, uh, and it isn't easy on them. It's not, it's not as, it's not simple and it does cause its strifes and difficulties, but if you can involve them and they feel part of it, that's where it's a huge benefit. The, and, uh, you know, so it's, and, and my wife, she was, she was part of the association back years ago too because her mom and dad, her dad Dennis was on the board and her mom was a, one of our presidents and Dennis was a president. So it was kind of, it was the, the understanding of being part of this association was already built into their family as well. So it made that part a little easier, but it's hard on the kids because, you know, I'm the, I was at work a lot and, and uh, it's, it always, you miss some things and, you don't try not to miss too many, but man, it's it's hard to not miss it, things when you're when you work as much as we do and as much the this community development that we've done. How many hours a week you work? Right now, no. Only, right now, in only the busy 40. time. In the busy time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even know if I want to think that through. I would say anywhere from sixty to eighty, easy a week, if not higher. During the fair, we'd I'd get home for maybe twenty hours. So yeah, it's it's a big investment for time. You know, it's interesting to me. Most people are looking to do the complete opposite, and what I mean by that is, is they're looking for a job that'll pay them millions of dollars. Let's go mm-hmm. extreme, millions of dollars, yep. as much money as you can want. Yeah. But they only want to work twenty hours. They only want to work three days a week, whatever yep. it is. And what you just <laughs> talked about. <laughs> is the complete opposite is you're working every day of the week being home very little Mm -hmm. and yet it is just as satisfying as anything you've ever known thoroughly enjoyed it and wouldn't do it any different differently no i wouldn't actually it yeah it's 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 like this gets into your blood this and i'm serious like it really does like it because you see the benefits you provide you see the gratifications from the people um, when they say that's a great event 
we had a great go. You know, there's then there's the negatives too. Like you don't, not everything works 100%. And and you take the the negative comments and you say, well, okay, let's make this better so that we don't get those. And I think we've done a great job with some of those. Um, but you you take it's like I say, it gets in your blood and and honestly, it's it's addicting because the the amount of fun you can have and, and the amount of great people you meet and you got to be a people person in this industry if you don't like people and you don't like crowds and you don't like it'd be very hard to manage but if you like people because that's what it's about is people families people communities benefits it's huge over your time mm-hmm. uh Mr. Weaver was asking me to ask you this question. How much do you think in total infrastructure have you helped develop for the Lloyd area? Is there a total that comes to mind or is there... Like for these, on our, on our grounds? Yeah. Oh, I'm racking his brain. Yeah, now you are. I, I would say uh, half of the facility... Like uh, the what was there back when uh, Dick when Dick was kind of, Dick and I kind of worked heavily together on getting Saskatchewan building and uh, and that in place the r- racetrack yeah the Alberta building I'd say half or better th- thirty forty thousand square feet of the facility fifty thousand square feet I should say uh, with the new expansion on the front and the meeting rooms and the renovations and yeah it's large yeah it's large. How about, I'm not saying that every time you lock down a guest or a show or a big deal or whatever it is that happens, mm-hmm. but in doing this show, mm-hmm. uh, when I uh, lock down a couple different guests and I've locked down my 100th guest, uh, who's going to be on in July, I pulled over on the side of the road, gave about six piss pumps, probably ran in a circle because I was super pumped. In your time. Was there ever a moment where you're like, just locked up whoever or whatever, and you had one of those moments? Or you were just cool as a cucumber? So excited, things went so good, and everything's on target, and everything's planned. Just about every event. Seriously. Because if they work great, uh, and everybody's, uh, we get, uh, it's successful, and, and money's not always a success, Right. It's the facilitation, the orchestration, the logistics, all of those things that go together to make an event successful. It's not always money. It's success of how we've benefited somebody, we've benefited the industries, we've benefited. That's my fist pump all the time. And when, and when it works, that's the adrenaline. And when you meet people from around the world, that's the adrenaline. And and we and that's a lot of almost every event we do for me. When it works, it's great. What's the downer? It's always killed me. It's the bad weather. I've always I was told you had tons of ideas. You're an idea guy. You never had an idea that you you thought, geez, this is what I'd like to do. Yeah, that's what we're gonna try and do. And then when it came to fruition, or you started down that path, you didn't go. This is. Now we're doing something. Now we're cooking with fire, or cooking with gasoline. Again, it, it kind of everyone. It, it kind of goes back to the majority of the events because that's what we do. That that's, you know, the elk sale was a big one. Uh, the 
the fair, the chuck way. I think Keith kind of comes goes back to all the events and activities we do. Um, it's it's hard to really pinpoint anyone because it's really, it's been the big whole picture is what has always been my my excitement and my dream and making all those events come together and work hard the logistics the planning it, that's what's that's the exciting gratifying part was there ever an event that you wanted to do then that you never got to do well there's one it's a wine and beer and food festival that is one event that we're we are still kind of working towards putting together and in, in cooperation work with the city uh, I that is one I'd love to get done, but I'm not sure I'm going to quite get her done in three weeks <laughs> to a month. <laughs> Social distancing and all. Yeah, with the COVID. That is one event I'd love to do. Uh, I'd like to bring in a huge, the bigger concert. The biggest one we brought in was Bob Dylan so far. I'd love to bring somebody in larger than that. Would you, if you could have, you got all the power in the world. Within reason, I guess. But who would you like to get in? Who Who is a guy that you reached out to, then saw the number and went, oh, yeah, we can't afford that? Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, yeah. Yeah, there, I'm just trying to think now. The Blake Shelton would be good. Like, there's so many out there that we'd love to bring. Did you ever Blake. approach Blake Garth Shelton? Garth Brooks? No. Oh, Garth Brooks, man. That'd be all right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What was the highest number you heard? And you went, like, oh, man, who pays that? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, oh, Garth, he was just about $2 million at the time when I priced him out. $2 million. Yep. Oh no! This, these things. How many are... tickets would you have to sell in order to make that happen? Did you go through the math and like oh, the yes. logistics? Like, if yep. we put them in the middle of the thing and put stands and a little hair, and everyone went, we'd have to do Mike, it on here a little bit. Ha- yeah, we'd have to do it on the out- in the outside grandstand. None of our buildings are large enough to manage a show that size. Can you imagine if you'd gotten Garth Brooks to come yeah. to Lloyd? It would be awesome. It would be great. I'd love to, but. Yeah, it's it's challenging. There's so many great talents and so many great entertainers out there. It's there's it's so much you can do, but it takes lots of people to pay for it. Yeah, if you got Garth Brooks, you'd have people coming from All Western, well, BC to yeah. Ontario would yeah. drive to see that. Oh, totally, totally. He'd probably make a whole tour of it. He'd probably hit every <laughs> as soon as Calgary and Edmonton heard he's coming to Little Old Lloyd. Yeah, that would be it. Would be great. Yeah. No, we've done a lot of shows there. Lots of work, lots of good people. Uh, you know, it always gets brought up, or I shouldn't say always, but I always, I sometimes hear that uh, grandstands need to be replaced. Do you think, do you, does that need to happen? Uh, it's, 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 the grandstand's okay where it is. It'd be nice to have a roofed grandstand. So like we used to have back, back in the uh, many, many years ago before 79, that was a roof grandstand. It would be very beneficial and helpful. The grandstand itself, it's it's good shape. It's okay, and it needs to be it'd be nice to be upgraded and updated. Why why back then didn't you put a roof on it then? Simply budget. Just budget. Simply budget. Absolutely. To, you know, we put up the new three thousand seat grandstand, and uh, there was just not enough money to put a roof on it at the time, and that's it's an expensive venture. I don't doubt that. Yeah. So that, you know, one of our plans is, is in, in the long-term plan for, for what we do is, is to 
replace it with a roof grandstand. So we can convince the governments to give us some uh, some money here the next. Uh, well, we got an expert salesman the next sitting there. Four weeks, we'd be okay. You know, uh, people every every which way of this country. I'm sure you can make that happen. Well, we keep talking. She's pretty tight out there right now. So yeah, you know, we keep talking a lot. You never know. You just never know anymore. Who is maybe not the worst to deal with, but who is one of the people who came through and you're just like, man, that, that was difficult. Maybe difficult is the right word for talent. Uh, the worst was April Wine. Really? Yeah. Why so? How so? Just very challenging, demanding, uh, not necessarily. And it wasn't really the band. It was the, it was the manager, the tour manager of the day. Uh, we didn't necessarily get along great uh, once he got on site because his demands were outrageous. And What were some of his demands? Oh, he needed a Marshall 2 head amp, and we had a Marshall 3 head amp. And the one guy would have had to use a reverse pedal to make it work, and, and he would not accept that. He wasn't going to go on the stage, wouldn't let the band on the stage until we fixed it. So we might have had a few words, and we got things resolved. We actually had to send a guy to Edmonton to go get the right app for him. And just if, you know, just didn't like the food. Didn't, it was just the tour managers can be the most challenging of, of the acts. But April Wine's tour manager was probably the worst, the worst experience that I've ever had. And I've never forgot that. In your position, was, were you just there to solve problems? That, that just sounds like a, a silly problem to have to solve. And you just want to shake your head like, really? And yet, you send a guy to Edmonton, gets fixed, on they go. Yep. They sing. Everybody enjoys it. Nobody's Ab none the wiser nobody's except for six wiser. people. Absolutely. And you carry on with it. That's them. exactly right. You deal with things. You make it happen. And you you got to stay calm and, and collective with it because you can't, you can't lose your mind over everything. And all the little things, you just figure out a way to make it work and make it happen. It makes the day more enjoyable. You know, although you get frustrated and you get, you know, you want to pull your hair out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in the end, if no one else sees the issue or no one else knows there's an issue, there's really no issue. It's always a good thing to follow. If nobody sees what's wrong and it, it facilitates and feels good and looks good and works good and you're the only one that knows or your team may be the only ones that know, that's what matters. As long as, as, long as our customers don't realize that the, something's not right. Yeah, you're, you're the duck on the pond. Absolutely. The feet are just absolutely going, but everything on the yep. top is calm and cool. Abs yeah, absolutely. There's the odd day you get the white caps on the water <laughs> that wash the duck to shore. But uh, on the average, that's exactly right. And you have to, you have to plan and work that way. And, uh, and in my world, I've always said, you've got to have a plan B in your mind. If you go, if you got planning on the table, you better have a plan B brewing in your back of your mind because that's the simplest way to solve a problem is when you have a backup. What was your favorite store or person to call or something along that lines that plan B always involved? Man, if this happens, I guess we're just going to run to Walmart to grab whatever or we're going to stop by Johnny's. He's got 12 different extension cords and... Uh, shovel and whatever else 
you know, I want to say probably the liquor store, she can go get that <laughs> bottle of whiskey to, <laughs> to solve most of the problems with. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, it's your, in most cases, it's duct tape and haywire. So you go to a hardware store to get what you need to kind of solve most of your problems. Red, green. Yeah, absolutely. If she don't find your hands, yep. she should at least find you handy. Absolutely. Duct tape and haywire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, God, that's good. Yeah. Um, you did bull sales. You were mentioning it's been 100 years. Yep. I got to think that many bulls going through the place. There's got to be the odd time a bull gets on the loose. Well, there's been more than the odd time. <laughs> more than the odd time. It was every year with our stock show, either fall show or bull sale, we'd have a bull running down Main Street. Um, or running across. You had a bull run or, down Main Street? Or, oh, absolutely. More, more than one occasion over the years. Or they get loose and one goes across the golf course, you know. And generally there's nobody out there golfing. But because it's either spring or fall when the, the guys are off Four, the course. holy yeah. moly, what is that? Well, watch out for that bull. <laughs> we had uh, oh, one, one bull kind of, I remember getting away and ended up in a, in a lady's backyard. And uh, kind of didn't appreciate the swing set that was in the backyard. So I think we had to replace the swing set on that deal. But uh, the bull got in there and got tangled up and took off with the swing set. So... There's all kinds of little stories, you know, you can always reminisce about. And we had a 4-H steer one year get loose in the buildings. Um, and uh, it, all of a sudden, and that's back when we had our kitchen in a stockade in, in what we call the R.J. Nelson room now, which was the old boardroom. And we turned it into a kitchen for the stockade when we were doing lots of banquets and stuff. And we just waxed the floor. And the, old, and the wash rack was at the north end of the, uh, of the Alberta building where the new washrooms are now that we call it. And he gets into there and he busts through and gets into the stockade, freshly waxed floor, and he's slipping and sliding and destroyed the floor, ran into the, ki- into the, old, and into the kitchen, got in the corner of there, and we got him chased out of the old kitchen. Didn't do a lick of damage in there, just kept going around the table, out the front door, and stood over by the teepee and started eating grass. And the kid walked up, grabbed the halter, and let him back into the barn. It was priceless. Hit the crash bars on the door perfectly, just bang out the doors. Three sets of doors out. Didn't break any glass, just scratched up the floor. Is all kinds of, yeah. What happened on the weekend? Oh, you know, just a steer got loose. No no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Just a standard Saturday yeah, yeah. here. Got into the, into the, into the car, into the stockade. Yep. Yeah. We had a, private bull sale one year in the in, it was in the Alberta building and uh, back in the day we had car sale in the stockade before we turned it into a banquet hall well get there in the morning and and come through the stockade and it was full of cars I believe there were Chevrolets at the time and it might have been and there's 10 bulls inside the building and they broke through the same door the 4-H deer did Got into the cars. Oh, thank God, Lord, nothing was fighting. Otherwise, there'd be nothing left. They just walked around, never even touched a car, never did nothing. We'd managed to somehow get them hazed out of the room, <laughs> <laughs> into back into the same way they came, without a lick of damage. Like you know, you just there's things that 
some and most of the time you go somebody's in, having fun with you upstairs absolutely go in and the place would be destroyed you know <laughs> oh the old boys would be telling i remember back in old 89 <laughs> when the the bulls got loose with the chevrolets and yeah, that in the vehicles oh yeah there's yeah it wasn't there's lots of those interesting types of stories we had buffalo in the old wash rack for we had a rare, we had a buffalo first buffalo encounter we ever had was at a rare and exotic sale it was back in the 80s um a guy comes in with a 11 buffalo and these aren't they, they weren't little they weren't calves they were big we put them in the old wash rack uh you probably did you ever in 4-h <laughs> Funny story. I was never in 4-H. No? No. My, all my siblings were. But yeah. Uh, they, and your dad was a leader. And that, yeah, the, in the old wash rack in the Alberta building at the south end, it was a cinder block room. We put a couple big heavy panels across, housed them right inside the wash rack, backed the truck into the stockade, put the load chute up to the door, and unloaded them into there. And we never moved them out of there. We sold them right in the ring while they started fighting. Two buffaloes started fighting. Eleven buffalo. Eleven buffalo started fighting. Started fighting in that room, in a cinder block wall, and you could see the wall move. Eh? <laughs> and there's still there were still permanent cracks in that wall until we replaced it all one year. But the wall was moving, and uh, it was quite, you know. And we're all thinking, oh, this building's full of people. So. We have to, and we finally got them calmed down. How did you calm down 11 buffalo? Tossed a bale of hay made a difference to the world because they got busy eating and they were fine. But, and then we quickly loaded them into the truck and got them out of there. Get them the heck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Don't show the building inspector that yeah, one. Oh, but, you know, yeah, there's lots of good memories. Lots of good memories. What's one of the biggest changes then you've seen over your 39 years? Whether it's with Lloyd, whether it's with the 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 egg and exhibition, like what is what is one of the big changes you noticed? You know, we started when I first started there. It's mostly with the association, right? It's you know we were running a handful of days a year. Everybody thought the only thing we ever did was either the bull sale or fair fair. Right, even now, even now, most people think, well, the only thing we do is fair. Most some days now don't even know we do a fair. So, but it's it's adding all the events and activities and the the growth that we've seen with that association. You go from running a hundred event days a year to our strongest of eleven to twelve hundred event days a year, and actually facilitating and making that all work is is probably the biggest growth. The increased in in the grounds and increased in our facilities that we do and the amount of events and activities that we ran. That's our what I see as the biggest accomplishment and growth that this association has done. When you start bringing two and three hundred thousand people through the grounds, our economic impact to Lloydminster has been in the last few years well over forty seven million dollars a year. Forty seven million dollars per impact. year? Yes. For economic impact to this community. It's huge. And like most people don't realize, we are a nonprofit charitable organization. We are a not, we are, we're not there to make, to, to make money. The, the events and activities that we operate and, and run help, help manage, help manage 
the the cost it does to operate the facilities uh, put on the events and activities make the improvements that are needed we get some government granting about six or seven percent of our, our total worth for the year is grants but the rest of it is self-generated and and we are a nonprofit organization that is here for the benefits of the of, of this whole community a lot think we're just we're out to make make money and we're we're for profit business but we are not and we, we're not a city facility. We are independent. We work very well with our city of Lloydminster, but we are our own independent organization. And most people don't even understand that. Some days I don't even understand that, but it's, you know, but it's true. And because and, they think that we are, we are a city facility and why, why are we doing things the way they, that we do? We are not. We're uh, our own independent organization. What's some of the things that you've given back to in the city? Oh, as in, in what are you, th- what are you thinking there? Well, I, I guess, um, I, I think our lives is what we've given back to the city in all fairness. Right. Um, you know, we start bringing in the, the events and activities the, the benefits that we provide to the food industry, to the hotels, to the gas stations, to the retail, um, and the experiences that our community have at the, at the grounds. I have more people come up to me and say, hey, you have helped us, and we've been to your fair for the last 50 years. Yeah, We haven't missed one. We look forward to it. We look, we hope to be part of it. You know, those are gratifying experiences. And that's what we've given back to this community, community is to this city is, is our lifeblood in, in supporting the region. Well, you're an attraction. Well, we are. We're a, right? we're a big, we're a big part of this community and we, we are proud of it. Well, you think you go to uh let's throw it we'll we'll stick with hockey you're making fun of me at the start with all the hockey in here you go to an oiler game you just don't go to an oiler game no you don't you go to an oiler game plus supper maybe you spend a night in the hotel etc absolutely So what you're talking about is when you come to lloyd to go to agrivisions or Mm -hmm. the lloyd fair or the bull sale or the bull sale or the chuck wagon races or one of the other thousand events that we do chances are you're going to stop and you're going to pick something up at different store or you know i I, heck, I remember living out on the farm and coming in, and pretty soon you've stopped at three different places. Not that Hillmont is that far out of town, but... No, but it's true. You come into town, you're going to do a couple things. Yep. And by having that here, it's become uh, a hallmark of the, the city of Lloyd to have sitting in here that people travel to. They come to the different things. You bring, well, I mean, 200,000 people, 300,000 people coming through, whether they're a bunch of those are Lloyd or not. Obviously, a lot of them are, but, I mean, and the area. Bringing mm-hmm. those here instead of elsewhere yep. is a lot of people's money being spent in the town. It is. It's it's huge. And uh, businesses, we support a huge amount of business in Lloyd. So it, it's, it's, it's a great, it's just a great feeling when, when we see those things and how people do appreciate it. We have lots of great partners in this community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. I, you know, I, I guess I didn't really think about it that much, and now that you've brought up that you're not owned by Lloyd, that's an interesting relationship. It is. We are we are owned by the by our members. 
and our members are made up from our region to be a member of the association. That's who elects the board and that's who manages and then the manager then works for the board and facilitates the, the needs of the, of the organization to the benefit of the industry. So you so. must have been doing something right. Well, there's days you think so. <laughs> then, you know, you got to wonder some days. Not everything I say, not everything you do is always right. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is a huge, and it, that's why I'm saying it's a huge, big family, and it goes right back to the membership. And that's why Lloyd, Lloyd Exhibition is a huge part of this community. Yes, agriculture is our main, our main drive and our main grassroots, but the whole community is where, the, where our energy comes from. You know, that's where Showcase was born because it's a trade show for, for a lifestyle leisure show. Chuck wagons, entertainment, fair. Fair is, the, is huge. All the ag programming we do and all the other, other rentals we have. It's a great spot where people can come and rent facilities to put on their dream event or their dream activity, their wedding, their their uh, their trade show, their safety meeting, their business meeting, their uh, in the end funerals as well. We do support. We have a lot of funerals where we support the families and in their in their needs for that. It, it's it's uh, we will work with you to do whatever is needed to to make your event and your activity. A better as as good an experience as we can you know you just rattled off all the events and i was thinking i started thinking i'm like oh yeah and there's that and there's that and then you start mentioning them how fast can you take down and put up an event uh overnight have you ever had to work overnight to oh just... yes yeah we um the, the closest one and i believe it was the we had a cattle sale I think on a Tuesday and by Friday we had the uh, Saskatchewan building tore out, reset, re cleaned. I wouldn't say the odor was gone 100% uh, <laughs> for the Tanya Tucker concert. You know, so, it, it, oh yeah, we, we do very tight turnarounds. Um, that had to have been stressful a little oh, bit. Not, oh yeah, very many times it is. Did you ever, people go, you're never going to pull this off. Uh, there was a couple of days, a couple of times I thought myself we weren't going to pull some of these tight turns off, but we've always managed to. We've never missed an event. We've never been late. So in all these years. So no, it's absolutely. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's all planning and logistics and communication, right? And you got your little, ch you have to have your checklist to make sure you got your plans all in place and all the structure done and, and flowing nicely. We've, we've, we do some very, very tight turns. What's one of the biggest lessons you've learned then over your career? Uh, always have a plan B. Always have a plan always, B? Always have a plan B. So when you're planning something out, you're just like already thinking, listen, if this goes wrong, this is what we're going to try. Absolutely. You have to do that it, because you, you, you always... It, it gives you that opportunity to, to really have a, because uh, again, when you plan something, not everything always works 100%. So you've got to kind of think, well, if this goes wrong here, we can do this to solve that or vice versa. Or, you know, who do, you, who do we call to back you up and who do you call for support? It's, it's always good to have those plans. That's the biggest thing I've always learned. Communication, 
make sure your plan works, laid out, and facilitated. Did you ever have a one-hit wonder? And what I mean by one-hit wonder is, did you ever just do an event once? It was really good, but for whatever reason, it was unique, and maybe it was a traveling show or anything just coming through. It was super successful, but you're like, man, how would we ever recreate that? Oh, livestock. Big. We partnered with a goat back years and years ago, uh, Stu Dent, and we put on an event, and it, it honestly was great. It unfortunately weather kicked us, and we didn't generate a whole lot of revenue, but it was an amazing three-day outdoor festival for classic rock. And what was it called? Livestock. Oh, livestock. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. Sorry, I was. Thinking... It was a great event, and it was in, in all fairness. Uh, it didn't financially work, but it was successful in the, the, the logistics, the, the planning and all of that. It just, it was a tough year and economy was not as good and the weather kind of kicked us and it was, it was a tough go, but that would be one that ex- experiences. What, what are you going to do now in retirement? Like, you know, you just, you just basically said you gave your life to this thing it's addicting as all hell, and now you're just done. And just like that, it's over. Are you going to still be involved in some capacity? I'll support them as long as they want and help them as long as they need and uh, provide the guidance that if they wish. Um, you know, what I've learned over the years, like I could be a general contractor, right, because, you know, we built a lot of buildings t- together. I could help do a trade show. I could do a trade show. I could, you know, run a concerts. The life skills that I've learned there, it it, it has many, pa- many, many paths I could go down. Um, and I think I'm going to take, you know, a few months just to kind of cool the jets a little, relax a bit, maybe get a little hunting in this fall, maybe hopefully get a little hunting in this fall because I always swore I'd take a whole November off and go hunt deer. And most I've ever got in is two weekends. So I'm looking to, to get that done. Uh, go do some fishing, more fishing this summer, you know. So, you know, just kind of enjoy life for a bit. Kind of see where the path takes me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not that old yet. I, I got a few good years left in me. But it, it was time to do, a, you know, get some new blood and new energy and new life cycle going with the association. So for the association. So I think it's, it gives me, but I have many opportunities. Maybe I'll run my own shows, rent the, be a big renter for the facility. You know, you just, there's so many paths I can go and so many, so many things to do. And my, my plan is stay in the community and, and just continue being part as best I can. Speaking of new blood in the, in the association, mm-hmm. with the new GM, Janelle, mm-hmm. and I torture her last name every time. How do I say Saskew. it? Saskew. Saskew. Yeah, Saskew. Saskew. Yep. I got it there? You bet. <laughs> what advice would you give her? What advice would I give Janelle? Yeah. Uh, be yourself. Follow your instinct. Uh, communicate well. And continue to be a strong part of the community. Success will come with you. Mm, that's good advice. Well, let's go into our final five. 
I know I, you've been on me, he, folks. He was on me when we first started about how long we're going to go, and I need to get him home for his bedtime. Absolutely. And this is a guy yeah. that worked through the night putting on events, and now he's talking about bedtime. But Well, since COVID, you know, <laughs> I've, I've been able to slow her back down and kind of get used to this. He used to never go to sleep till midnight most days. What I wouldn't get been, home from the office till 11. What have you so. been doing in the COVID lockdown? What have well, you been? not a hell of a lot, I can say that. Reading books or watching uh, a TV show? or Doing yard work that I haven't done for five years and, uh, <laughs> you know, catching a couple more Zs and watching some more TV. What what have you been watching on TV? All my good shows like Game of Thrones are done and, you know, the Vikings, it's over, and trying to find something new and good to watch. Not trying to stay away from the news because that ain't been real fun to watch lately. No, the the news has been kind of tough to watch. It's been challenging. Yeah, yeah. Well, I highly suggest uh, The Last Dance, with Michael Jordan documentary. That was fantastic about the Bulls in the 90s. I've heard that. It's fantastic. I'm gonna maybe have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, well let's let's do the Crude Master Final Five, and then I'll let you get home and, and back to your Z's and and uh, catch him back up on life. Yeah. So Crude Master Final Five, just five quick questions. A shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald, huge supporters of the podcast. Great people. Great, great people. Absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Heath on here. Are you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right on. Yeah, uh, well, I shouldn't have dropped that, but Heath, uh, you're coming on, and now it's official. So. <laughs> he was hesitant when I first suggested it what, to him. Was he? Yeah. Well, we've done a fair bit with Heath, and I, I've really appreciated his, uh, his support for the community and his support to our association. I've, I've always respected that man. Yeah, he's a fantastic. Yep. And I think a lot of people don't understand how much he does for the community behind the scenes. He does an awful lot. He certainly and does. And most people do not understand that. Well... You'd mentioned now in retirement, maybe you'll maybe you'll run your own show and, and bring it back and, and rent the, the buildings. If you were to run your own show, what would you run? What would you want it to be? Pie in the sky. Pie in the sky? Yeah. Bring Garth Brooks. You would want it. Hey, Lloyd, I'm bringing Garth Brooks. This is what it's going to be. <laughs> I wish I could. I'd love to do that a big show like that. You know, one, one kind of dream thing is, is uh, putting an outdoorsman hunt show, specific hunting show on. I, you know, that's another good dream I've, I've worked on uh, and tried to put together. So there's a few things out there. Well, I look forward to seeing what you bring. Yeah. Well, you never know. I may just, may just want to sit and, uh, and actually enjoy and relax, too, for a few years. What's one thing left on your bucket list? One thing left on my bucket list. That's a good question. Enjoy... Well, there's a you know guy go want to go on a good hunting trip. I'd like to be over and go to an Africa tour. Uh, do a, a that would be that's one of my bucket lists is to do that. Go down to the Kentucky Derby, uh, see that. That's another bucket list. There's a few. There is a few. You know, I've never in my life gone to the Calgary Stampede. Really? Nope. Calgary, I guess you can't. Calgary Stampede's the same. Has been the same days as our fair for. 39 years at least, if not more. So, you know, there's there's quite a few things on the bucket list. And most of them are, you know, are still event and entertainment related. What's the biggest event you've never attended then that you'd love to attend? You know, I think the Kentucky Derby would be it because yeah. that is an amazing, an amazing, amazing event. Mom and Dad just went to it uh, a year or two ago now. Yep. 
They said it was unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that is one thing that we've talked about doing, and I think we'll make that happen. Coolest person you've ever met through the X? <laughs> There's lots. It's hard to narrow it down. Sure. Um, meeting Stephen Harper was great. It was cool. I really enjoyed that. Uh, just a salt-of-the-earth guy. Um, I got to say, though, the coolest experience in, is, is my trip to China. We, most people maybe don't remember, but City Lord Mr. Twinned with a city in Inner Mongolia called Zeelandhut. And that's many, many years ago. Sid, I, I helped a good friend of mine, Sid Palmer, tour a couple of uh, Chinese delegations around and uh, supported that. Uh, he put together a twinning opportunity for the city of Lloyd to work with. And I traveled over over to China with with Glenn Buchanan and Ilston Plant, our mayor of the time. And uh, I got to know the mayor of the city of Zeelandhut. Uh, he declared me his brother That before we left. Uh, we had a great time, great relationship, and I got to say that's probably the coolest, coolest I've had was was spending that two weeks in China, learning their culture, being part of their culture, and experiencing their lifestyle. It was amazing, and I would not give that up for the world. What years was that? Do you remember uh, how, how long ago was it was? 23, 24 years ago. So late nineties. Yep, late nineties. That or was mid, mid to late nineties. Yep, that was phenomenal. What An was experience the, of a lifetime. What did you? What did you? When you're over there for two weeks. Yep. What sticks out? What was? What was one of the things that was just like, man, I, this is unbelievable. The most exciting. The most thing that sticks out in my mind is. Is some people will think this is crazy, but we went to a, a shooting range with the general of the army and uh, casually shooting AK-47s at targets in the middle of a, at, at the uh, Chinese military gun range. That was an experience, again, I'll never forget. Were you looking around going, you, you want me to do what now? Yeah. yeah, kind of a bucket list, you know, out there shooting AK-47s in the middle of a, in a Chinese... Uh, with the Chinese general of the area. It was cool. It was very, very cool. And, you know, the friends that we met over there and experiences that we had, it was, it was great. If you could sit and have a coffee or a beverage of your choice with mm -hmm. any person, dead or alive, mm -hmm. who would you want to sit and pick the brain of? An old buddy of mine named Don Stewart, and actually the other one is Wynn McLean. Uh, two good friends who passed away in the last few years. Uh, we did a lot. We did a lot together uh, to to just talk about the old fun times and the memories and and the learning experiences that we've all been through. That's that is two things, two guys that I'd love to do that with. Your final one, and this one is. This is when I'm uh, directly for me. You've been in this area a long time. Mm -hmm. You've served this area a long time. Mm -hmm. If there was another guy from this area or abroad that you think would be 
awesome to sit and hear some stories from to come on this podcast. Who would you think, man, you got to get this guy? I got to think about that one for a minute or two. So somebody would that you would want to do an interview with on the podcast. That's correct. That you think, you know, this cattle guy, this agricultural farmer, this just Lloyd guy. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them are gone. That's the unfortunate part, all the history. You know, uh, one good fellow that can tell stories and all kinds of history Terrence Baxson. I got Terrence on. Did you? Yeah. Absolutely. Terrence was fantastic. He was amazing. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I did. He. Hey, at least I'm doing something right. Ab- you said one guy, I got him. Absolutely. And you did. Yeah. You did. No, that would be, yeah, that would have been, I missed that one. That was amazing. He, Terrence and I, we've done, uh, he's a great friend. And uh, he's, he's always got the history and the benefit of this association always at the back of his mind. Well, I, I uh, you, you know, he asked when you first walked in the door, he said, mm-hmm. why the heck do you want me on? And I look at it and I go, the reasons you're talking right now about who did you get on, a lot of them are gone. It's like, well, by no means are you in your 90s and anything like that. I don't want to sound like that at all. But you're a guy who's experienced a lot. And yep. uh, I always think the older generation, older than me, those stories need to be captured. And for Absolutely. Lloyd and area, yep. there's so many of them that are just gone. absolute gone, but there's so many still left that are pure gold. Yep. And if a guy can stumble his way into a few more, it'll make for some entertaining radio. Oh, it and, and knowledgeable too. Like, you know, there's lots to learn of what, about our community. Yeah, there's there's lots. I'll think of some other names. I'll get some other ones off. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much for hopping on. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's I been, certainly it's been fabulous. I've certainly enjoyed sitting across from you and, yeah. and, and hearing a little bit about uh, what you've done and you know just some of the things that have come through Lloyd and and, and well in 39 years. Absolutely. You know, it's it's just a a, a lifetime of experiences uh, that are so memorable. And, I, and I'm so happy and glad my family allowed me the time to spend doing this and supported me through all these years. My great wife, Kelly, and, and uh, Tesley and Carter, the kids, that's the support that they've given me and, and allowed me to do what I do. Uh, I can only thank them for allowing me to, to be giving as much of my time away from them for this association, this community. And uh, they, need to be, they are to be commended for giving me that ability and supporting me for all those years. Absolutely. One last story then. How did you meet your wife? I never ever talk about the significant (laughs) other enough on this. And I always get um, not criticized, but harassed maybe a little bit about it. So how did you meet your wife? How did you woo her? How did you woo her at four in the morning well, while shoveling? Shoveling shit at the, at the grounds there? <laughs> That's right. Well, she was part of that back in those days, so it was okay. Well, we went to school together, um, so we knew each other through actually from junior high on. Um, we graduated the same year. Um, we all we went our separate ways uh, for many years, and uh, we reconnected in the early, ni- late 90s, and actually it was a, it was a bet. I said, you know, we bet on something at the ground. She was doing, taking pictures of and uh, doing interviews there when she was working for a, a magazine. And and uh, I said, well, it's going to, you know, we'll bet you a supper that this will happen. Well, 
way. I think she maybe won the bet and I had to take her for supper anyways. But and then we just reconnected and it was it was a uh, the story continued. Well, that's how we'll end it then, sir. Well, thank you. I appreciate you hopping on. This has been a lot of fun. My pleasure. Hey, folks. Here's a little bonus coverage and just a quick little story from an avid listener, Mike Applegate. Wherever you're at today, this should put a smile on your face. It was right in the middle of um, a couple different things we were talking about. It got edited out, but I thought I'd stick it on the end for you. So thanks again for listening, guys. The question question is, and if I I said I have to phrase it this way, who was his favorite salesman from the Meridian printer? In quotes, the booster. My favorite salesman from the from the booster? I guess so. Does that ring any bells? Oh, man, there's been a few. Ron Walsh, maybe. <laughs> it's Mike Applegate asking the question. Oh, Mikey. Yeah, there's been many did, salesmen over the Mike years. Did Mike Applegate used to work for the booster? He did. He was the sale. He was our sales sales rep for the booster. Uh, sold us ads for many, two, three years at least, maybe. It was quite a while. Mikey, I haven't talked to him for quite a while. I tell you what, that is something I didn't know about Mr. Applegate. Yeah. Well, shout out to Mr. Applegate. I, Absolutely. I, he, was a, he was a great salesman. Really? Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew Mike well, was a salesman? Absolutely. Hey, folks, thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time. Still here, are you? Well, your hint this week is he's been to Lloyd before. So stick that into everything else. He has been to Lloyd before. Whether that means he lived here, whether that means he just visited, whether that means... Well, you do the math. He's been around Lloyd Minster before. Now, if you're new and you're going, what the heck is he talking about? I suggest maybe you go back a couple episodes. But essentially, we're having a little bit of fun with the 100th episode coming up. And for this little segment right here at the end of every episode leading up to the 100th, we're going to give away a, a golf package for four and two carts to Sandy Beach around a nine, plus a $200 gift card to Factory Sports. How do you enter, you wonder? Head to social media. Tag the podcast, the hashtag, who's 100, W-H-O-S 100, with your guests for 100. Every episode you can add a new guest. I'll write them down. I'll release it closer to, and you'll all be entered into a draw, like I say, for a round of nine, four people, two carts, a $200 gift card to Factory Sports. Shout out to both of those um, organizations for helping out with this. Uh, look me up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Freaking shoot me an email, SeanNewmanPodcast.com. It don't matter. SeanNewmanPodcast at gmail.com. You could get it right. The idea is, who's 100? And if you can figure that riddle out, maybe you'll win a little something-something. Okay, guys. I'll get off here and stop talking. You all go have a great day.